Section two of the Boys and Girls Pliny by Pliny the Elder. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by phone. Book one. Dedication. Caius Plinius Secundus to his friend Titus Vespasian. This treatise on natural history, a novel work in Roman literature, which I have just completed, I have taken the liberty to dedicate to you, most gracious emperor, an appellation peculiarly suitable to you, while, on account of his age, that of great is more appropriate to your father. For thou still ne'er wouldst quite despise the trifles that I write. If I may be allowed to shelter myself under the example of Catullus, my fellow-countryman. For he, as you know, when his napkins had been changed footnote the allusion otherwise obscure is to the fact that some friends of catullus had filched a set of table napkins which had been given to him by veranius and fabius and substituted others in their place End of footnote. expressed himself a little harshly from his anxiety to show his friendship for his dear little veranius and fabius at the same time this importunity of mine may affect what you complained of my not having done in another too forward epistle of mine it will put upon record and let all the world know with what kindness you exercise the imperial dignity you have had the honour of a triumph and of the censorship have been six times consul and have shared in the tribunate and what is still more honourable whilst you have held him in conjunction with your father you have presided over the equestrian order and been the prefect of the praetorians all this you have done for the service of the republic and at the same time have regarded me as a fellow-soldier and a messmate nor has the extent of your prosperity produced any change in you except that it has given you the power of doing good to the utmost of your wishes and whilst all these circumstances increase the veneration which other persons feel for you with respect to myself they have made me so bold as to wish to become more familiar you must therefore blame yourself for any fault of this kind that i may commit but although i have laid aside my blushes i have not gained my object for you still awe me and keep me at a distance by the majesty of your understanding in no one does the force of eloquence and of tribunitian oratory blaze out more powerfully with that glowing language you thunder forth the praises of your father how dearly you love your brother how admirable is your talent for poetry what a fertility of genius you possess so as to enable you to imitate your brother but who is there that is bold enough to form an estimate on these points if he is to be judged by you and more especially if you are challenged to do so for the case of those who merely publish their works is very different from that of those who expressly dedicate them to you in the former case i might say emperor why do you read these things they are written only for the common people for farmers or mechanics or for those who have nothing else to do why do you trouble yourself with them indeed when i undertook this work i did not expect that you would sit in judgment upon me 
i considered your situation much too elevated for you to descend to such an office besides we possess the right of openly rejecting the opinion of men of learning marcus tullius cicero himself whose genius is beyond all competition uses this privilege and remarkable as it may appear employs an advocate in his own defence i do not write for very learned people i do not wish my works to be read by manius persius but by junius congus and if lucilius who first introduced the satirical style applied such a remark to himself and if cicero thought proper to borrow it and that more especially in his treatise de republica how much reason have i to do so who have such a judge to defend myself against and by this dedication i have deprived myself of the benefit of challenge for it is a very different thing whether a person has a judge given him by lot or whether he voluntarily selects one and we always make more preparation for an invited guest than for one that comes in unexpectedly i am well aware that placed as you are in the highest station and gifted with the most splendid eloquence and the most accomplished mind even those who come to pay their respects to you do it with a kind of veneration on this account i ought to be careful that what is dedicated to you should be worthy of you but the country people and indeed some whole nations offer milk to the gods and those who cannot procure frankincense substitute in its place salted cakes for the gods are not dissatisfied when they are worshipped by every one to the best of his ability but my temerity will appear the greater by the consideration that these volumes which i dedicate to you are of such inferior importance for they do not admit of the display of genius nor indeed is mine one of the highest order they admit of no excursions nor orations nor discussions nor of any wonderful adventures to tickle the fancy of the reader the nature of things and life as it actually exists are described in them and often the lowest department of it so that in very many cases i am obliged to use rude and foreign or even barbarous terms and these often require to be introduced by a kind of preface and besides this my road is not a beaten track nor one which the mind is much disposed to travel over there is no one among us who has ever attempted it nor is there any one individual among the greeks who has treated of all the topics most of us seek for nothing but amusement in our studies while others are fond of subjects that are of excessive subtlety and completely involved in obscurity my object is to treat of all those things which the greeks include in the encyclopedia which however are either not generally known or are rendered dubious from our ingenious conceits and there are other matters which many writers have given so much in detail that we quite loathe them it is indeed no easy task to give novelty to what is old and authority to what is new brightness to what has become tarnished and light to what is obscure to render what is slightly acceptable and what is doubtful worthy of our confidence 
to give to all a natural manner and to each its peculiar nature it is sufficiently honourable and glorious to have been willing even to make the attempt although it should prove unsuccessful i have included in thirty-six books twenty thousand topics all worthy of attention gained by the careful perusal of one hundred select authors and of about two thousand volumes of which a few only are in the hands of the studious on account of the obscurity of the subjects to these i have made considerable additions of things which were either not known to my predecessors or which have been lately discovered nor can i doubt but that there still remain many things which i have omitted for i am a mere mortal and one that has many occupations i have therefore been obliged to compose this work at interrupted intervals by night as well as by day so that you will find that i have not been idle even during this period the day i devote to you exactly portioning out my sleep to the necessity of my health and contenting myself with this reward that while we are musing on these subjects as varro says we are adding to the length of our lives for life properly consists in being awake i consider it to be courteous and to indicate an ingenious modesty to acknowledge the sources whence we have derived assistance and not to act as most of those have done whom i have examined for i must inform you that in comparing various authors with each other i have discovered that some of the latest and most dignified writers have transcribed word for word from former works without making any acknowledgment not avowedly rivalling them in the manner of virgil or with the candour of cicero who in his treatise de republica professes to coincide in opinion with plato and in his essay on consolation for his daughter says that he follows cranter and in his offices panaceus volumes which as you well know ought not merely to be always in our hands but to be learned by heart for it is surely the mark of a perverted mind and a bad disposition to prefer being caught in a theft to returning what we have borrowed especially when we have acquired capital by usurious interest the greeks were wonderfully happy in their titles one work they called kyrion which means that it was as sweet as a honeycomb another kira amaltea or cornucopia so that you might expect to get even a draught of pigeon's milk from it then they have their flowers their muses magazines manuals gardens pictures and sketches all of them titles for which a man might be tempted even to forfeit his bail but when you enter upon the works o ye gods and goddesses how full of emptiness our duller countrymen have merely their antiquities or their examples or their arts i think one of the most humorous of them has his nocturnal studies varro indeed is not much behind him when he calls one of his satires a trick and a half and another turning the tables footnote sesculisses and flextabula literally ulysses and a half and bent table End of footnote.
diodorus was the first among the greeks who laid aside this trifling manner and named his history the library apion the grammarian he whom tiberius caesar called the trumpeter of the world but would rather seem to be the bell of the town crier supposed that every one to whom he inscribed any work would thence acquire immortality i do not regret not having given my work a more fanciful title that i may not however appear to inveigh so completely against the greeks i should wish to be considered under the same point of view with those inventors of the arts of painting and sculpture of whom you will find an account in these volumes whose works although they are so perfect that we are never satisfied with admiring them are inscribed with a temporary title such as apelles or polycletus was doing this implying that the work was only commenced and still imperfect and that the artist might benefit by the criticisms that were made on it and alter any part that required it if he had not been prevented by death it is also a great mark of their modesty that they inscribed their works as if they were the last which they had executed and as still in hand at the time of their death i think there are but three works of art which are inscribed positively with the words such a one executed this of these i shall give an account in the proper place in these cases it appears that the artist felt the most perfect satisfaction with his work and certainly these pieces have excited the envy of every one i freely admit that much may be added to my works not only to this but to all which i have published by this admission i hope to escape from the carping critics and i have the more reason to say this because i hear that there are certain stoics and logicians and also epicureans from the grammarians i expected as much who are virulent against the little work i published on grammar footnote pliny the younger in one of his letters three point five where he enumerates all his uncle's publications informs us that he wrote a piece of criticism in eight books concerning ambiguity of expression melmoth's pliny one one hundred thirty six end of footnote but i well know that even a woman once wrote against theophrastus a man so eminent for his eloquence that he obtained from it his name which signifies the divine speaker footnote his real name was tertimus but in consequence of the beauty of his style he acquired the appellation by which he is generally known from the words theophrasi cicero refers to him in brutus one twenty one orator seventeen and on other various occasions End of footnote because the public good requires that you should be spared as much as possible from all trouble i have subjoined to this epistle the contents of each of the following books and have used my best endeavours to prevent your being obliged to read them all through and this which was done for your benefit will also serve the same purpose for others so that any one may search for what he wishes and may know where to find it this has been already done among us by valerius soranus 
in his work which he entitled on mysteries the first book is the preface of the work dedicated to titus vespasian caesar the second is on the world the elements and the heavenly bodies the third fourth fifth and sixth books are on geography in which is contained an account of the situation of the different countries the inhabitants the seas towns harbours mountains rivers and dimensions and the various tribes some of which still exist while others have disappeared the seventh is on man and the inventions of man the eighth on the various kinds of land animals the ninth on aquatic animals the tenth on the various kinds of birds the eleventh on insects the twelfth on odoriferous plants the thirteenth on exotic trees the fourteenth on vines the fifteenth on fruit trees the sixteenth on forest trees the seventeenth on plants raised in nurseries or gardens the eighteenth on the nature of fruits and the cerealia and the pursuits of the husbandman the nineteenth on flax broom footnote spartan this plant was used to make bands for the vines and cables for ships and the footnote and gardening the twentieth on the cultivated plants that are proper for food and for medicine the twenty-first on flowers and plants that are used for making garlands the twenty-second on garlands and medicines made from plants the twenty-third on medicines made from wine and from cultivated trees the twenty-fourth on medicines made from forest trees the twenty-fifth on medicines made from wild plants the twenty-sixth on new diseases and medicines made for certain diseases from plants the twenty-seventh on some other plants and medicines the twenty-eighth on medicines procured from man and from large animals the twenty-ninth on medical authors and on medicines from other animals the thirtieth on magic and medicines for certain parts of the body the thirty-first on medicines from aquatic animals the thirty-second on the other properties of aquatic animals the thirty-third on gold and silver the thirty-fourth on copper and lead and the workers of copper the thirty-fifth on painting colours and painters the thirty-sixth on marbles and stones the thirty-seventh on gems End of section two. Recording by phone.